were suffering because of their own sin. And these were, these were the awful consequences of forsaking God. It was horrific, but this is the nature of sin. Sin brings death. It always does. It's the nature of sin. And sinning without repenting likewise brings eternal death. That's where uh, sin leads. But Israel, sadly, was blind to their sin. They refused to turn away from idols. And so the Lord was using the Syrians to wake them up. And God can do similar things for us too. He does at times use suffering to reveal our sin. Now, that doesn't mean that every hardship is tied to a specific sin. No. God made this clear in the book of Job. However, God can use hardship to reveal our sin. And this is what the king of Israel should have realized was happening. But what does he do instead? Instead, he wants to blame God for his trouble. And this is why he wants to kill Elisha after the woman's horrid story, he snaps and says, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. And this is why he says to Elisha later on through a messenger that this trouble is from the Lord. He's blaming God. Why should I wait for Yahweh any longer? It's like he's saying, you know, I've tried this faith thing. It's not working I'm done waiting for God. He's given up. But the king doesn't see that he's gotten things backwards. You can't blame God for this situation. You see, if you reject the God of life, you cannot expect to receive life. But only death, it, it makes perfect sense. Think of it like, like water. If you refuse to drink water from your only source of water, what's going to happen to you? Well, you can expect to die of thirst. And this is the very thing Israel has done with the Lord. The words of Proverbs 19 verse 3 describe this king. There we read, a man's own Folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. And how many people are there not like that on this earth? Their own folly ruining their life, then they rage against God. And that's the approach many take with the suffering of this world. People want to blame God, but we can't do that. See, if we reject God, and and we all did in Adam, we can't expect life because he is the source of life. That brings us to our second point, which is the, the sure word of the Lord. So the king of Israel, most likely Jehoram, decided he was going to execute Elisha. And he dispatched a messenger and sent him to the prophet And Elisha at this time, he was sitting in his house, 
uh, together with the elders of Israel uh, when the king sent the messenger. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha perceived by God's power what the king was doing. So he instructed the elders, you know, shut the door. The king is sending a messenger, this murderer, and lean against that door. Keep him out. And while he was still speaking, the messenger arrived and he relays the king's message, which is, again, this trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king's faith, whatever faith he had, has withered in the face of trouble. And what he doesn't understand is that God's people are called to persevere in the faith right to the very end. Despite all the suffering, despite the suffering we might face too, he must keep trusting God all the way to the end, not throw away faith. See, the Lord will act on his own terms and at his own timing and not ours. And that's hard for us to, to accept. We must wait for the Lord despite any suffering we do face. Now, the king had had enough of waiting for God, but by God's grace, Elisha still gives a beautiful promise by the word of the Lord. He says, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel, the gate of Samaria. It should have been music to their ears. God was saying in such a a short time, their suffering would be all over. No more eating donkey heads, no more acts of barbarism, real food. Real food would be available for all with prices not so sky high. Beautiful proclamation from God. And this was the sure word of the Lord. It is trustworthy, wonderful. It shows the character of God. This is God's power to turn on a dime, so to speak, even even the worst situation, even the worst suffering. God often does this sort of thing. He saves at the 11th hour. When we have given up hope, God is always able to give hope again. He does it through His promises, by His power, also in Jesus Christ. You know, we don't know what kind of suffering we might face yet in life. And who knows? Maybe in the future, We'll face a situation like this. I don't know. You know, God's people throughout history, they've gone through this sort of thing from time to time. And it isn't always because they've sinned a particular sin against God either. When you look at Scripture, you can see this sort of thing happen. happen. Uh, in Exodus 14, for example, Pharaoh came out with, with his entire army to recapture the Israelites and enslave them again. 
There the Israelites were, trapped by the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army all around them. They had nowhere to go. They thought they were goners. In 1 Samuel 7, the Philistines came, came out against an unarmed Israel. Israel was met with this huge army. They were scared that they were going to die. In 2 Kings 18, the Assyrian army lay siege against Jerusalem, the southern kingdom. And things looked as desperate almost as the situation in our text. Revelation 20 reveals this as a reality for God's New Testament people also. Satan gathering the armies of the world against God's people. And each situation brought about a test of faith for the people of God. In each situation, God promised deliverance by his sure word. The question is, would God's people trust that promise of God? Or would they reject it and go the way of unbelief? And that's what we must also think of as well. Suffering is a reality in this life. And God also sends us trials to test our faith. You know what suffering often does? It often reveals the weakness of our faith. When you go through pain, suffering, it's at those times that the doubts of our heart, they, they come to the surface right in a, in a very moment. Think of the patriarch Jacob. He struggled with this thing in the book of Genesis. He thought he had lost his son Joseph forever. Simeon was held prisoner in Egypt. And then he thought he was going to lose his, his beloved son Benjamin too. And when he came into that situation, he confessed, everything is happening against me. Right? It seemed like... All the situations, the hardships of this world were directed against him. And that can happen to us too. And we must prepare ourselves. In the future, suffering will come. We don't know exactly what it will look like, but it will come. So we can prepare now, call out to God that we might persevere in faith. Persevering through the trouble shows the genuineness of our faith. As 1 Peter 1 says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined with fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hold on to the word of God no matter what. Hold on to God's promises in Jesus Christ no matter what. No matter what you might face, hold on. See, God gives his promises despite what our eyes see, despite what our circumstances tell us. Now, sadly, in our text, you see this beautiful promise of God met with unbelief. One of the king's closest officers, his right-hand man, we could call him, 
He rejected Elisha's words. Look, he said, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? He just doesn't, just doesn't believe God's word. Perhaps his suffering has made him cynical. Maybe he was angry at God. But whatever the case, he rejects the promise, and his unbelief would prove to be his downfall. And so Elisha speaks the sure word of the Lord one more time to him. You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. At times, the suffering might tempt us towards unbelief also. But may we never go that route, never go the route of this man. Remember instead the encouragement of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. And that brings us to our our last point, the fulfillment by God's power. So the Lord gave a beautiful promise through Elisha. He would relieve His people by this time tomorrow. And the text then switches to the fulfillment of the promise. Verse 3 describes it like this. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate, entrance of the gate. And here we have to just stop. Uh, the fulfillment begins with the most unlikely people, doesn't it? God would begin to transform this horrific situation using some poor, helpless outcasts. Four lepers. And this often is the, the way of God. He uses the weak and the helpless to show his power. Here he uses these lepers, people who are outcasts in Israel, at drawing near death. It says, the Spirit says in 1 Corinthians 1, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in his presence. So God's power is on display. Well, these lepers were knocking on death's door, and so they engaged in a quick bit of logic. If we go into the city, the famine is there, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're just lepers, we're going to die. If we go surrender to the Syrians, we very well might die too. But perhaps they'll let us live. So our best chances are with the Syrians. Let's go there and give ourselves up. It was a no-brainer. So at twilight, the lepers approached the Syrian camp, probably expecting to die. But when they got there, they found nothing but abandoned tents. At the same time, the lepers decided to go to the Syrian camp around twilight. The text says, The Lord caused the Syrians to hear the sound of horses, chariots, and a great army. And so the Syrians, they concluded that the Israelites had hired maybe the Egyptians or the Hittites to fight against them. And so they were thrown into a great panic and they took off, started fleeing into the wilderness. So these lepers, they came to the camp. They entered one tent, 
look what they saw. No one there. And all this stuff there was now theirs for the taking. Food, gold and silver, clothing, you name it. It was all theirs. They could barely believe their eyes. This was a luxury shopping spree at zero cost to them. And again, it shows the power of God. Look how quickly God turned the tables around. In one moment, everything looked hopeless. A few moments later, God showed them, showered them with incredible gifts. Again, the power of God. He can transform even the worst situations in the blink of an eye. Any, uh, he can change any situation for our good. It doesn't matter. In fact, that's what he's promised. To those who love God, all things work together for good. Those who have been called according to his purpose. All things. And think again of Jacob in the book of Genesis. He confessed, everything is happening against me. Well, that's what it felt like to him. But it was not true. Trust God's power. As long as we have the Lord, we will be okay. Yes, we might suffer, but as long as we have God, the God who can transform death into life, we will be okay. You know, there's many people who reject God because of the suffering of this world. But it really is foolish. By rejecting God, they are rejecting any hope of relief from suffering. And that's because only God can transform the suffering of this life for our good, and He can do it in an instant. Think only of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His crucifixion, Christ suffered the worst suffering anyone has experienced in history. More suffering than you have experienced. And that's because He was suffering the wrath of God against the sins of all God's elect. So no one has suffered as much as Jesus Christ. Christ then breathed his last and was buried in a tomb. And his disciples, they thought everything was over. They had given up all hope. Their, their world was demolished in their minds. But in an instant, everything was changed. And forever. On the third day, God raised Christ again from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Christ's suffering was over for good transformed in a moment, and he entered never-ending life, free from all sorrow and pain. And you know what? That resurrection of Christ dramatically changed things for us too. Without the resurrection, we would have no hope of being freed from the suffering of this world. We could only say to ourselves, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Through this resurrection, God has changed everything. The sting of death has been removed. Eternal life is ours in Christ. And it's the good news of the gospel that we need, that everyone in this world needs. 
And the good news in our text needed to be shared as well. After reading two tents with countless others left to go, the, the, the conscience of these lepers struck them. You know, how could they keep all this to themselves when everyone was starving back in Samaria? And so they said, this is a day of good news. If we're silent, wait until morning, punishment will overtake us. So we better go, let's go tell the king. Good news must be shared. A good reminder for us as well. We have the good news of Christ. It must be shared with a world that is perishing. So again, are we keeping that good news for ourselves, or are we taking the attitude of these lepers? This is a day of good news. Let's not keep silent. Let's tell the world about Jesus Christ. So the lepers went and they brought the good news back to the city. The message was relayed to the king, but he thinks it's a trap. So instead of just going out to the camp, he sends a search party out instead. The search party went out. What do they find? Everything exactly like the lepers said. Not only that, but they found the Syrian armor and weapons thrown out all over the desert as the Syrian army tried to flee as fast as they could. Well, when this good news came back to the city again, it turned into a no-cost shopping spree for everyone in Samaria. The people went out and they plundered the camp of the Syrians. They had been on the brink of death by starvation. And now they feasted and enjoyed new hope, new hope from God. And not only that, but the word of the Lord was fulfilled. A seah of flour and barley were sold in the gate for the exact prices at the exact time the Lord said they would. Here's where we should say to ourselves, of course it was fulfilled. It's the Word of God. It always proves true. It's Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. That's a verse to memorize. Every word of God proves true. God is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. The word of the Lord will always prove true. And this also went for the captain of the king who rejected God's word. Elisha told him he would see this very thing with his own eyes, but would not eat any of it. The problem is he never repented of his unbelief. And then when he was sent to the city gate by the king, disaster struck. And all the mayhem of plundering the camp People trampled him at the city gate and he died. And this man held on to his unbelief and discovered at the last moment, oh no, the word of God proved true, but I rejected it. He saw the fulfillment right before he died. The text emphasizes again and again the word of God is fulfilled and it always will be. And so whatever you do, sitting here in your pew this morning, whatever you do, 
make sure that you don't end up like this man. He heard the word of God. He rejected it in his heart. And then he discovered only too late that the message was true all along. Don't end up like this man. But embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ in faith. God will save his people from death. He's promised that in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins, believe in Jesus Christ. You will have eternal life. And you will see the powerful fulfillment of God's promises with your own eyes. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's word by singing Psalm 76, the stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 5.